0: Alright, good morning and welcome to Chanel. We are so glad that you're with us. If you're joining us online, hello. We're glad that you're here as well. I want to make a quick announcement. Uh, the Young Families Meal starts at 5.00. Um, I I have children myself. We ain't eating at 7 p.m. We're trying to go to bed around then. So uh, 5 to 7 p.m. tonight in the Family Life Center. We would love for you to join us uh, for some pizza conversation and obviously letting the kids run around a little bit in the gym. So we are continuing our supply list sermon with another item that often shows up on school supply list. And this week in my book bag, we are talking about glue. I didn't bring Elmer's glue. I didn't think that was as political as the Crayola Rosa Art conversation from last week. I thought it was safe to just use generic glue that I found from Target. But glue always shows up on school supply lists. Uh, regardless of how old these kids are, glue is on there, probably to teach kids how to bond things together and also how to make things sticky. Uh, that's really the, the main reason that glue, I think, shows up on some of these school supply lists. A few months ago, I shared a picture on social media, and I was talking about how the scariest thing in a family's house is to find a Sharpie lid. I think only second to the Sharpie lid is this red cap on the glue. Uh, We found one recently in our house, and we still don't know what's stuck together. So we're looking forward to finding that thing that is now ruined when we figure out what is glued together. But I'm starting off with glue because I really want to talk about super glue. Superglue is very interesting to me. isn't is just a quick example of superglue. More specifically, how superglue was developed. Superglue has a way better story than old Elmer's glue. No one cares about Elmer's glue in, the, in big glue corporations. That's not a fun story to tell. But superglue is, because superglue started out as an accident. Superglue was created by this guy here, Harry Coover, who loves glue as you can tell by his face and his assortments of glue. But in the 1940s, Harry Coover was commissioned by Kodak to make a sight that would go on a gun. Military industrial complex. It's Kodak, the camera people, are making sights for the military. That's what's going on in the 1940s. But this guy is commissioned to make these sights for these guns. So his team gets together, they start putting chemicals together, and they accidentally stumble on something that is insanely sticky. It's sticking to everything. Uh, It's not at all what Kodak wanted them to make. It's just this really tough, sticky, permanent substance that was not part of the assigned task. And so in the 1940s, again, working with the Allied forces, they decide this is a failure. Throw it away. They discard this project. Until years later, they come back. And Kodak again, military-industrial complex, is like, hey, we need something that can withstand the heat of jet engines. We need something that can kind of handle an intense heat. And so they get Harry Cooper again. Say, hey, buddy, first project we signed you with didn't work out. What if you take a stab at working with these jet engines? And so they get back in the lab, they start working again, and they get this combination again that sticks to everything. But this time, they realize that this glue is also permanent, but it's also heat resistant. They can handle intense temperatures. Now, the team looks around and says, all right, Harry, we've struck out again. Uh, We no longer can work with Kodak. I assume that's what they said. I wasn't there. But Harry Coover, as you can see, this dude loves glue. He says, wait a second. I can make money off of this because this stuff sticks to everything. Uh, it's, It's highly durable. It can withstand heat. I'm going to make some money after this. And so that's exactly what Harry Coover does. And Harry Coover, actually, here's another picture of this guy, Looks great guy, who has made a lot of money off of super glue. But what Harry Coover decides to do from that point is he sells it to the military. And so in the Vietnam War was the first time that super glue ever showed up on a battlefield being used by field medics. They determined that if, you, if someone was, you know, had a wound or whatever, they could take the superglue and quickly bond the wound. And there's probably several people in this church that have bonded wounds with superglue. Maybe Dale, I don't know. But my point is, that is how superglue became very popular after the Vietnam War. And it came just kind of as an accident. But I use this conversation of glue and superglue to bring up this idea of being bonded together. We see this concept all throughout Scripture. The importance of sticking together through difficult and trying times. And one example that I'd love to start off with is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This whole chapter is based around spiritual gifts. Uh, everyone is excited to have these spiritual gifts. And the excitement has got to a point to where they're arguing for the spiritual gifts. And they've actually tried to start saying, my spiritual gift is a little bit better than your spiritual gift. And so Paul writes a letter, which is 1 Corinthians, trying to help this church organize a little bit better and have some structure and to realize that maybe all your spiritual gifts, you shouldn't be arguing over them. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, Paul writes, All these, talking about spiritual gifts, are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes to each one just as he determines, saying that these are gifts from God. Maybe you shouldn't be arguing over these spiritual gifts of whose is better, whose is less than, who is stepping in front of the next person. you got to realize like, where these gifts are coming from. And it's here that we're kind of introduced to this concept of glue in a spiritual sense. He's like, you're all arguing over these different gifts, but you're forgetting like, what is bringing you together. What is the one thing, the one person that you've come together to rejoice, to celebrate, to honor these spiritual gifts? You've forgotten the glue that brings you together. And so Paul continues, Just as a body, though, many parts, but all its, part, all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even, uh, even, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So Paul is, is looking around at these people, And he's saying, yes, you all have different spiritual gifts. You all have different talents. You all have different abilities that you're bringing to the table. That is wonderful. That is great. But don't forget the glue that keeps you together. It's awesome to celebrate differences. But the celebration of differences should never allow you to forget that Christ is the reason that you are here. And Paul doesn't leave it there because he, he continues and he moves forward just a little bit in, chap, in verse 24 when he writes, But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that, it, that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. And this is the verse that I love and I want to kind of focus on for just a little bit, verse 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So, I was working through this sermon. I kept coming back to verse 26. Because when I think about like a, a verse that reflects Chanel, 26 is it. I want you to think just for a moment, like when you hear that somebody is sick, maybe somebody's in the hospital, somebody has lost a loved one, our instinct is to say, What can we do for you? And the other people that are after my own heart say, What, can, what kind of food do you want? What can I bring you for dinner? Like, we are a. T- cares about everyone. And our instinct is not to say, like, all right, good luck. Our instinct is to say, how can we care for you? That is glue. That is part of this church's identity, and it has been since the beginning that the doors opened. That we have been a church that said, if you're, if you're sick, if you're hurting, like we want to hurt with you. If you need something, we want to make sure that you have it. That's who we are and who we've been and who we will continue to be. But I remember the first Sunday that Whitney and I visited here. It was a roller coaster interview process where I tried to impress and all that stuff. And it was just probably just a train wreck for everyone involved. But the first Sunday that we were here, I don't remember what kid's birthday it was. I wish I did. But I remember that J.J. was up here, as as he has been since the beginning of time. But J.J. was up here, and it was some kid's birthday, and I remember that kid standing on the pew and everyone clapping for that kid. Now, I don't know how many churches that you've gone to, but that's not a church experience that I had seen in my life where a kid stood on the pew, and if you've been here long enough, sometimes adults do too, right? Every once in a while, an adult will get there. But I remember seeing that in the interview process and thinking, this is a church that when every part rejoices with it, from... Burials to birthdays, we are a church that walks with each other. Think about how often we celebrate someone's achievements or accomplishments from the stage. We try to recognize that, and the reason why we do is because of that glue. That realization that we are brought together because of Christ. That we join together each week, not because we have all of these wonderful spiritual gifts, but because we come here because we are anchored and rooted in Christ. And because of that, we celebrate those gifts. But it's that that coming together, the the intention of coming together is not just to sit around and, and be like, oh, you're great, you're awesome, but it's also to encourage one another. The writer of Proverbs says this in Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Those passages where Paul is talking about sticking together, rejoicing when others rejoice, suffering with those who suffer, that's what this is talking about. That our, our relationships, our glue, gets stronger when we go through difficult times. And obviously the, the most popular one in this context is Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You grow stronger together. That, that glue that starts off as Elmer turns into super glue when we go through difficult and challenging seasons together. It's easy when things are going great. I I thought one of the the passages that would really fit here is Acts chapter 2. I love the book of Acts for a lot of different reasons because it's exciting and it moves fast. But it's easy, if you look at Acts chapter 2, to see a church that's glued together because things are going great. In Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 47, Luke writes, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Things are going great. It's super fun. We're having potlucks. We're hanging out together. When they're leaving church that day, nobody's arguing over who's going to Slim's again. It's just everybody is in harmony and we're just having a good time. Verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So we're not just potlucking. We're not just sharing. Like We are baptizing people week after week. The church is growing. And it's fun and it's captivating and it's exciting. And when we talk about the concept of glue, glue is really easy in Acts. Specifically Acts chapter 2. It's really easy to stay together when things are going great. Nobody's complaining, we're baptizing people left and right. It's really easy to be glued together then. But that's not the history of the church. Acts chapter 2 celebrates this, this exciting time of the church. But if we move forward into church history, we see a church that finds themselves up against the world. If you go to Hebrews, which is one of my favorite books of the Bible, Hebrews talks a lot about persecution. Acts chapter 2, baptizing people left and right, we're sharing everything. It's a good old time. But in Hebrews, it's not great. Depending on when you date the book, it could be one of two different Roman emperors that are persecuting the church. Think about that for a second. Regardless of the date, the church is being persecuted by a Roman emperor. Things are not going great for Christians in Rome when Hebrews was written. Either way, they're being persecuted. Might be Nero, might be Claudius, we don't know. But we know that what they were doing to the church when that happened, when they reigned. So in Hebrews chapter 10... The writer of Hebrews says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. We do not know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but we do know that they were preaching when they wrote this verse. This is the gospel. This is you're getting baptized, you're being uh, clean from your sins, like you have started a new life. But you have to think about the context too. Because this is a church that's being persecuted. This is a church that is under trial. They are frustrated. They are mad. People are leaving left and right. And so when the writer of Hebrews says this thing, he's saying, remember why you're here in the first place. Do you remember that that glue that you were so excited about in Acts chapter 2? When things were going great, you were like, kumbaya, this is great, we're having fun. Who's bringing the meat this week? Like the potlucks, you love it. But in Hebrews, you've got to start over and say, Do you realize why you're here? You're not here because things are going great. You're here because Christ made you new. So the writer of Hebrews continues with 23 and 24. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for, for he who promised is faithful. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in a challenging time, a challenging season. But often if there's a storm in your life, you're, you're looking ahead and you're saying, "Like God, give me any type of glimpse that there will be sun on the horizon. God, these storms are difficult, they are challenging, they hurt. That's what these individuals in Hebrews are facing. And so when the writer of Hebrews says, Hold on to the hope that you have for Christ, the glue that you started this journey on. He's faithful. It may be rough right now, but Christ will not abandon you. Christ will not leave you. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I love that too, because it's not just about me, it's about those who I'm glued to. I'm not just receiving, I'm giving as well. I'm making sure that other people know that I'm along with them on the journey. Remember when we talked a little while ago about when, when the church suffers, that everybody suffers. When the church rejoices, everyone rejoices. That's what the writer of Hebrews is referencing. Don't leave anybody behind. Make sure that they know that you are with them, walking with them, even in these difficult seasons. And the writer of Hebrews ends this section here with not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, what's happened in Hebrews is things have gotten really tough. There's persecution, there's trials, there's tribulations. All of those bad things are happening to the church of Hebrews, the church, of, the, the church that the Hebrew writers write to. It gets really convoluted when you keep trying to say the person who wrote the book of Hebrews, so I apologize. But they've quit going to church because it's too hard. What they're really saying is, like, it's not worth my life. It is not worth the persecution. It is not worth the trials. It is not worth the frustration for me to be here. And so because of that, I'm out. I don't want to be a part of this. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying is you've forgotten your glue. You've forgotten why you were here in the first place. When this challenging season came through, you got out of there because it was too hard. But the writer of Hebrews is saying, that's not why you signed up for this. You were promised that that Jesus would never abandon you. And if you found a a church community, like like in my opinion, like Chanel, where people care about you, where people love you, like when you're not here, we miss you. If you realize that, you wouldn't jump ship so fast. And so what the writer of Hebrews is saying is like, don't give up on each other. Remember why you came here in the first place there could be some healing in the glue as well. And for that, I have to go to my second example. I'm not trying to be like a magician where I pull things out of bags, but I do want to keep things in here that are less distracting than this. So what I want to do for this one is show you something that I've stolen from Isla's room. This is a doll that in the Kittinger household we call Princess Doll. Um, this beautiful thing right here, um, i just took a picture of it this morning for the thing, Princess Doll uh, sits, is intended to sit uh, when she was a baby, on her crib, kind of on the, the edge of her crib, and I assume haunt her dreams. I don't know. Um, this isn't a terribly like, kind-looking doll. Um, but Princess Doll is, is weighted here, and so she's not supposed to fall over. But uh, this was given to Isla by one of her grandmothers on her first birthday. And so if you've ever had toys like this in your house, Uh, it's like my grandmother's blue couch. No one was ever intended to sit on it. Isla was never intended to play with Princess Doll. Now, Princess Doll is is very reflective of Isla. We we still don't know which parent has told Isla that she is a princess and that no one will ever be good enough for her. Uh, Whitney and I are still trying to figure that out on the home front. But Princess Doll has a special place in Isla's heart because she carries it everywhere. I mean, this doll goes to Target. This doll is buckled up in our car when we drive. She loves this thing. But if I zoom in and show you this next picture, Princess Doll has seen better days. Um, As I mentioned, Princess Doll uh, was probably never intended to be carried to Target, to be in the road, like driving around town. And it's also, it's got a ceramic head, which means every time old Princess Doll hits a hard floor, guess what? She's either decapitated or her face explodes. Um, And it's it's super sad. Every time it happens, it's super sad. And so when this happens to to old princess doll, uh, Isla will come to me and she'll say, uh, Dad, do we have any glue? And she knows that every time that this doll cracks, it's broken, its head comes off, whatever tragic event happened to this thing, She knows that if she comes to me, we're going to glue it back together. I bring that up, and I use this example of princess doll, which I'm probably about to break it now, too, so we'll be gluing it later. I bring this up to say that glue is not always about connection. Sometimes it's about restoration, too. There is a lot of healing that can take place when you stick together through difficult and trying circumstances when you're willing to to commit with one another and say, you know what, I'm not going to abandon you because I know that you're going through a difficult season. I'm going to stick together with you. I'm going to get the glue out. We're going to restore this princess doll. We're going to work through whatever is going on in your life. For me, that is why when the writer of Hebrews says stay together, it's not because he's like, you got to keep the attendance numbers up. That's not at all why the writer of Hebrews is saying that. The writer of Hebrews talks about sticking together because he knows that if you stick together, you can heal. You can work through the difficult and trying situations that you might find yourself in life. But that happens when you recognize that glue, again, is not just about connection, but it's also about restoration. Every week, I, I've tried to give you a, a quick challenge. Last week, I, I encouraged you to color something. Uh, to think about a way that you can make someone's life a little bit brighter. This week, what I would love for you to do is to think about the people in your life that you're glued to. The people who have stuck with you through those challenging and difficult seasons. And take a moment this week to maybe write them a note, send them a text, maybe get them on the phone and just say, I know this is really random, I know this is weird, but I want you to know that I appreciate you. And I want you to know that I'm so thankful that you've stuck with me throughout the years. That's your challenge this week.